welcome to I'll Marry You, a podcast with me, Olivia Coleman, full of tips and tricks from the UK wedding scene, interviews with industry experts, and a whole lot of oversharing. Good day, good day, welcome and bienvenue. The last podcast was an interview with the gorgeous Olivia from Host Weddings and Events. If you haven't listened to it, you bloody well should, because it was wonderful. And we spoke about something we had in common, which... No, it wasn't weddings, clever dick. It was, I really, I'm so sorry. I've literally, I've sworn twice and I've been recording for 26 seconds. Terrible. No, it wasn't weddings. It was something else. So she is into Amdram, amateur dramatics. And she always, when she was younger, she wanted to be on stage. And we were discussing that and our mutual love for the theatre. And I just, so as soon as she'd sort of shared this little tidbit with me, I just kept bursting into song throughout the episode. It was like someone had suddenly said, oh, I'm actually, do you know what? It's not me, Keith, it's actually Simon Cowell. And I just started singing at random points, like I was auditioning for something. But do you know, what is life if not an audition? That's, that's very sad, isn't it? Because if life's your audition, then death's your show. <laughs> I'm talking absolute dribble. Shall we begin? So do you know what? Upon reflection, I've actually been very useful recently, haven't I? For you listeners, not so much around the home because it's, you know, it's my birthday month. So I've got little time for general chores. I don't even own an iron. Who does? Who has time to iron these days? But I've been very helpful, I feel like, with my interviews and my insider info. And I'm just throwing out suggestion after suggestion, guidelines, advice, all the rest of it. And do you know what? It doesn't stop there. It doesn't stop there. I promise to bring you a load of bollocks soon, not like in a gift basket, but like talk nonsense at you. And I will do that. I will do that. I promise. Next episode, next week is story time. Okay. (laughs) So cuddle up, (laughs) find your corner and get ready for story time. But that's next week. I'm going to be helpful for just one more week. I promise. And then I'll go back to the nonsensical. So I wanted to talk to you about celebrancy, celibacy, celebrancy. (laughs) I realised that I only sort of briefly touched upon what it is I actually do right at the beginning of this venture. And I haven't really talked about it properly since. I've given you sort of implications of what what it means to be a celebrant, but I haven't actually explained it. And now we're in February and we are, we're over Valentine's. That was a thing. That was a day. And there are people that got proposed to. Wonderful. Excellent for you. Very good reason not to buy anything but a ring. And people are still getting in touch after the Christmas hubbub of proposals. So it's a really, really busy time for inquiries. Absolutely manic, snowed, B2B, walking through treacle with emails however quiet on the wedding front right because actually it was sort of wedding season officially (laughs) hasn't begun yet don't i've said this before and i'll say it again but i feel like wedding season makes it sound like not not mating season because that's aggressive but like you know when was it debutantes in like olden days (laughs) when young women used to be introduced to society that's what i feel like the, the season. They, they spoke about it on Bridgerton, didn't they? I don't know. You probably didn't watch it because you're intelligent and have taste, but I did. And they spoke about it then. I'm getting completely off piste once again. My point here is, Karen, is that wedding season hasn't quite begun yet. So I'm, I'm low key. I'm downtime. 
with actual ceremonies, but I'm this is the manic time for admin inquiries, bookings, getting all the planning meetings in and doing all the writing to get ready for the season. <laughs> seasonal work, seasonal work. So I suppose really now is the time to tell you once again, what the bloody hell is a celebrant? I feel I suddenly thought, you know, you know me, I don't like to pre-plan these podcasts. <laughs> and I suddenly thought maybe I should have come up with an anagram, you know, like C is for cool. <laughs> e is for extraordinary. L is for live. That's me. No, I'm done. So what is a celebrant? What is a celebrant? A celebrant is a person who creates and officiates ceremonies. Traditionally, the wedding ceremony, perhaps a funeral or celebration of life ceremony, and then a naming ceremony, which I suppose is the non-religious equivalent of a christening. Those are the three main ceremonies. I, Olivia Coleman, not that Olivia Coleman, Olivia Coleman, I'll marry you podcast host. I, me, me, myself and I, I'll stop. I predominantly do wedding ceremonies. I have a naming ceremony just this weekend coming up, which is very exciting. Actually, this beautiful, beautiful woman messaged me and said, completely out of the blue, DM'd, slid into my DMs, didn't she, the saucy minx? And she said, I'm already married and I'm heartbroken because I've just discovered you and I want you and I wanted you to marry me. <laughs> she wanted to marry me. <laughs> and I wanted you to marry me and we're already married and I'm heartbroken. So I said, so when we got married, I said to my husband, if we ever have a baby, this baby is going to have a naming ceremony and that naming ceremony is going to be done by Olivia Coleman at Not That Olivia Coleman. How incredible is that? So what I took from that is that they made love and produced life for me. <laughs> oh, it's a wonder, isn't it? So I've got that this weekend. So that's very exciting. And like, do you know what I have since we last spoke, I have done a funeral. So that's something else that I might go into another stage, but that's not weddings, isn't it? You're not here to listen to that. You're here to listen to wedding chat. So weddings is what I predominantly do. I spend 85% of my time on wedding ceremonies. So the first question I'm asked when people want to know the difference between a celebrant and anything else, quite frankly, is, is it legal? Am I a fraud? <laughs> Am I a fraudster? Do I partake in illegal activity? And the answer is yes. Yes, I do. No, it's not illegal. Oh my God, that's such an intelligent thought slash it's not. If something's not legal, does that make it illegal? Huh. It doesn't, does it? Do you know, I went to school. I had fags in a bush. That sounds odd. <laughs> oh, I digress. So in the UK, it is not legal at the moment, 2023, in the UK, it is not legal to get married by an independent or humanist celebrant. That is not a legally binding ceremony. To have a legally binding ceremony, you have to get married by either a member, a registered member of the council or a member of the clergy. So it's 
pretty old school. There are other countries, I mean, not even that far away, you know, like Ireland and Scotland, where you can get married legally from an in, from a humanist celebrant. In America, it's not even just on the telly, guys. You can literally do it online. You can get ordained online and still marry someone legally. So the UK are pretty far behind in this game. There are various institutions and wonderful, wonderful people who are lobbying all the time to try and make what we do legal. And I get it because that is kind of the only downside to to what we do. But I don't really see it as a downside because that leads me on to sort of the main difference between perhaps a civil ceremony and a celebrant ceremony is that because a civil ceremony is a legally binding ceremony, there are certain things that have to be said. There are certain words and phrases and things that need to be signed to make that a legally binding contract. I don't want to say that. That's boring. Boring. I don't want to be told what to say. Another reason I didn't do very well in school. (laughs) You have to say these things and that, therefore, I'm sorry if I cause offence to anyone. I actually, one of my mum's oldest friends is a registrar and she's so lovely. I've known her all my life. She's wonderful. She's kind. She, and I imagine she's a fantastic registrar, but it's not for me. It's not my bag. You have to do things a certain way. And therefore, by having to do things a certain way, all the ceremonies follow the same pattern. Therefore, no matter how magnificent you are as a registrar, your ceremonies are going to be the same. They are going to be the same for one couple that they are for the other because they have to be, because you are told what to say by the government to make it a legally binding thing. Celebrants are not told what to say. It's a real risk. Because what we do isn't legal, we can say whatever the hell we want. We can do, we can say whatever the hell we want. And we can say it anywhere we want. So for example, a civil ceremony, which is taken by a member of the council, a registered member of the council, for that wedding to be legal, not only do they have to say certain things, but they have to have it in a premises approved by the local authority, such as a hotel or a wedding venue or a registry office. But that venue, that room, not even the venue, but the room has to be licensed. So one of the reasons why wedding venues are so expensive, because the license is expensive, but they need that, right? Because that's what people want to do. They want to get married legally. It makes total sense. But therefore you are immediately limited to these places. Whereas the location of a celebrant-led ceremony can be absolutely anywhere you want. The main location that people go to is their own home. Why wouldn't you? You're not gonna license your garden. You're not gonna license your the barn at your granny's house for just your wedding. I don't even think they'd let you do that. But you wanna get married there. Of course you wanna get married there, it's your home. So you can. You could get married in in the local park. You could get married in your bloody living room. You can get married wherever you want. Until recently, and it was only because of the backlog of COVID, even if a venue was licensed, even if they had a room in that wedding venue that was licensed, you weren't legally allowed to get married outside unless it was under a permanent structure, right? So you would see in these movies, people would be on a beach, 
That is not legal. People be in the garden of a country manor house. That's not legal. You'll notice if you wouldn't even notice actually, but if you've ever been to these ceremonies, when they do the legal bit, they stand, they'll just take a few steps inwards, left, right, whatever, to the permanent structure. So there'll be a pagoda or perhaps they're getting married just outside the, the entrance to the building. And then it's the building that's registered. So they'll have to step into the building to do the legal stuff. Isn't that mental? Like that has to be, it has to be that way. Once again, you are being told what to do. And it's the same if you're religious. So the obvious options in England are the civil ceremony in a registered register offer. See, I'm getting very passionate now. <laughs> I'm mumbling my words. Uh, a civil ceremony in a registry office or premises approved by the local authority, such as a hotel or wedding venue. So you'd go that, that route if you're not religious or if you are religious, you'd go to a church. So you'd go to a church of the Church of England or a church in Wales or a synagogue, a meeting house, perhaps. Any registered religious building in the UK it would make that a legal ceremony, but it would have to be performed by a member of the clergy. It would have to be performed by someone who has that license, has that legal ability. Interestingly enough, <laughs> those places are legal for you to get married in. Also on the list of places for you to legally get married in are the home of one of the partners if the partner is housebound or detained. For example, in prison. Isn't that sweet? Isn't that romantic? <laughs> A place where one partner is seriously ill and not, respected to not expected to recover, for example, in a hospital. Now that I think, that's good. That is good. So in a hospital, you could legally get married. It would still have to be either a vicar or um, a civil servant or a, a registrar, but it would be legal in the hospital. Or a licensed naval, military or air force chapel. I just, I mean, who wouldn't want to get married with seamen walking around? You know, that's a really sweet image for you all. So there... <laughs> So not only straight away for it to be legal, do you have to be married by these certain people, but you have to be married in these certain places. So two of the most important things straight off the bat, you as the bride and groom, bride, bride, groom and groom, you are being told what to do and you're being told how to do it. There are also rules, right? Because th those rules are enough. That's not enough uh, hoops to jump through. You have to follow more rules. So for example, in both cases, in both civil ceremonies and in religious ceremonies, the marriage must be conducted by a person uh, authorized to register marriage, marriages in the district. So we've covered that. The marriage must be entered into the marriage register and signed by both parties, two witnesses, the person who conducted the ceremony, and if that person is not authorized to register marriages, the person who is registering the marriage. So quite often when you see a civil ceremony, you'll have two registrars, right? So maybe one is in training or one isn't registered yet. They'll be taking the service. But when you go to one side to sign the document, there'll be a person there who is registered for the marriage. Civil marriage ceremonies, again, still more hoops, people. <laughs> right, you sh this is incredibly helpful stuff. You know, you should really be writing this down. Civil marriage ceremonies, which are a lot more popular than religious ones these days. I don't know why. I don't know. You know I'm not going to go into the whole religion thing. <laughs> that is a debate. And as much as I enjoy a mass debate, I'm not going to mass debate on my podcast. 
Okay. For a civil marriage ceremony, you and your partner must give notice of marriage, okay, in your local register office, even if you're not marrying there, even if, you, so if you live in um, Bath, you have to phone Bath, phone the people of Bath and phone the register office and tell them, just give notice. That's like legit what it's called. Hi, um, Bill, I just want to let you know, Olivia Coleman here, just don't want to let you know I'm getting married. Like, what do you want them to say? <laughs> oh my God, that's amazing. <laughs> so you have to give them notice. If you live in different places, if you're long distance relationship for whatever reason, you have to do it in both your local registry office. The superintendent registrar then issues authority for the marriage. And then you can marry in the registry office or the approved premises in any district. So you have to give notice in your local district where you live. And then once that's dealt with, then you can go and get married. Isn't that kind of them to, uh, to allow that? You have to give 28 days notice before you're getting married. So it can't be last minute. And then you have to get married within 12 months of giving notice. Both partners must be resident for seven days in England or Wales before notice is given. So a notice must also state where the marriage is to take place. And there is also a fee for giving notice. So to make that phone call, hi, Bill, Olivia Coleman, I'm getting married. Oh my God, finally, so happy for you. Always wondered, you know, if that was ever going to happen. Thank you, Bill. That phone call will cost you. <laughs> Unfortunately, if you want to get married, even with me, a celebrant, you still have to make that phone call to Bill. We still have to phone Bill. Bill still needs to know. Something that's quite interesting is that these times they are changing. And um, it's still a rule in the UK that you have to be legally married into the gender in which you were born. If one of the partners has been issued with a gender recognition certificate and was previously the civil partner of the person who they wish to marry, there's no requirement for the 28 day notice period because you're already married, right? So that can happen the same day. But you still, if it's your first marriage to, some, or to someone new, you have to be married in the gender to which you were born. I have done a wedding ceremony. I did one last year for a gorgeous, gorgeous couple. And she was now um, presenting, acknowledging, I'm not quite sure on, on the terminology. She was identifying as a woman. She was born as a, as a boy, as a male, but she was now identifying as a female. And one of the main reasons that they even began to look for celebrants was because of that rule. You know, she said to me, I... I'm a woman. I am a woman. I identify as a woman. I live my life as a woman. I want to get married as a woman. How, in how important is that? Like, that's just, I can't even get my head around the idea that, that she couldn't get married as a woman because that's who she is now. So they had to go and they had to do the legal thing with her being identified as a he. And then they came to me and we had their, for argument six, their wedding ceremony as a she, because that's who she is. That is who she is. And she should have every right to get married as her authentic self. Isn't that just absolute bananas? That, I, I, if I'd sworn then, that would have been like a serious, <laughs> serious swear word. You'll need various pieces of documentation, um, proof of 
date of birth, proof of name and address, one of those stupid utility bills, probably. <laughs> There's all sorts of different hoops to jump through if you're not um, from the UK. So then you get to the, the wedding, the wedding day itself. Actually, no, you don't, because I'm just going to assume that you've chosen the right choice, which is a celebrant, right? But let's say for argument's sake, on this occasion, you've done the wrong thing <laughs> and you're getting married um, at a registered venue by a registrar. So the marriage ceremony lasts approximately 10 to 15 minutes. It can last longer, depending on readings and music and things like that. The ceremony can include things that are personal. They can contain reference to a God as long as they are in an essentially non-religious context. What does that mean? Like, essentially, you can't talk about God. So if you have chosen to get married in a civil ceremony, nine times out of 10, you've chosen that because you're not religious and that's fine. But you know, what if one of you is? Or what if your mum is, or your dad is, or your gran is, or what if, okay, you don't go to church, so you don't want to get married in church, but actually you kind of do believe in God, or you believe in something, and you're not quite sure what it is, but you want to talk about it, because that's your life, and that's your story, and this is your wedding day, so it should be the most personal day of your life, but you can't, not with a civil ceremony, you can't mention God. You repeat a standard set of vows, a standard set of vows. These may not be changed, and they may not be added to. Rings are not required, but can be exchanged if the couple wishes to. And then after the ceremony, sounds joyful, doesn't it? After, after the ceremony, the marriage register is signed by both partners and the registrar. Two or more witnesses can also sign. And then you pay. <laughs> it varies hugely cost-wise, depending on the type of civil ceremony you have and where the civil ceremony is. So I find... 95% of my couples will get married at a local registry office um, and they will do the simplest of ceremonies. I think they call it a two plus two, but it is, it's the bare bones, the absolute bare bones. They don't do the rings because they're saving that for the, for the real deal, for the real wedding day. I don't think they even need to kiss, you know. Why bother? You're getting married, you don't need to kiss every day, it's silly. And then <laughs> they literally just do the legal bit. It's done in 10 minutes. It's super simple. It's, it's a nice thing to do, you know, take, take two witnesses, take a couple of people, go and have brunch afterwards or a nice cup of tea and a little cake. Do you know what I mean? Treat yourself. Make it a nice thing, but it doesn't have to be a huge thing. You don't have to tell anyone that you're doing it, which is something I'll get onto in a minute. So that's civil ceremony. So religious ceremonies, even more of a bloody faff. And I can tell you that because I got married in a church. I know, I know, I know, but I've told you this before. If I could do it my way, my, <laughs> I would have got married in the church that I got married in because that meant something to me, that building, it was a building, all right? I would have got married in that church, but I would have had a celebrant do it. That would have been my dream, but you can't do that in this country. So I had a vicar who was still wonderful and lovely and yeah, all the rest of it wouldn't change a thing. Anywho. <laughs> So the Church of England and the Church in Wales are allowed to register a marriage at the same time as performing the religious ceremony. So you don't have to give notice to your registry office if you're doing it in a church. That sounds strange. You should never do it in a church. Churchyard. <laughs> so in, you don't have to give notice, but instead of the superintendent registrar 
before the ceremony, you have your bands read, right? Reading of the bands. Have you heard this? So reading of the bands, bands, B-A-N-N-S, a notice of the proposed marriage. And that is read in the parish church of each of the partners and in the church where it has been agreed the marriage can take place. Bands must be read on three Sundays before the ceremony. So that you have to do. So if you're from Hereford, he's from Gloucester and you're getting married in Oxford, you've got to go to all three places for three Sundays and have the bands read. You literally stand there or sit there, whatever, and the vicar goes through like a normal service and at the end they just say, and now we'll have the reading of the bands and they just say, Olivia Coleman would like to marry um, Chris Hemsworth. Do you, do you care? And they go, good honour. All right. And then you carry on, go about your business, maybe have a free cup of tea afterwards. <laughs> so you have your bands read and that's sort of the preliminary checks, right? That you're religious enough to get married in a church and then you have your, your wedding in the church. And that's kind of done on the day through the vicar. He does, you know, he's, he's, he's holy, right? He can do whatever he wants. He, he, can, he can dance on the spot and declare you husband and wife forever. That's fine. So that's slightly less money maybe I don't know but again you see you, you've got the venue there so it's a pretty standardized fee it does depend on the church I I live in Bath and I always love the idea of getting married at Bath Abbey <laughs> I don't know who I think I am I mean when I was younger and I was obsessed with um, the sound of music yeah I'm a loser whatever you know I take it I accept it um I wanted to get married in a church of that magnitude like I wanted to get married in Westminster Abbey but then I also wanted to marry Prince Harry, so, you know. So those are the basic rules for getting married, either in a civil ceremony or a religious ceremony. I don't think I've ever had a couple who have had a religious ceremony so that they're legally married, but they do it in a church. <laughs> and then a celebrant-led ceremony with me. I would be fascinated to know if other celebrants have had that. I'd find that really interesting, but I've never had it. So all of my couples get married legally, either before or after my celebrant-led wedding ceremony. I would always advise you to get married before, you know, just because it feels a bit more legit. <laughs> it's bad enough that I'm essentially a fraud. No, I'm not a fraud. Oh my God, stop saying it, Liv. So you get married legally, it's done, it's dusted, right? It's a piece of paper. Doesn't mean, I mean, it means something legally, but it doesn't mean anything in your heart and your soul and your spirit, okay? A celebrant ceremony we have gathered can be held anywhere and can contain anything, right? Every celebrant is different. A celebrant is a very personal, very unique vocation. And here's why. It's your wedding day. Well done. <laughs> it's your wedding day. You do not want to be around anyone that you do not like. Okay, do you know what? If you're not a huge fan of the woman that's making your cake, fine. Do you know what? As long as she can make good cake. You've met her, you've tasted her cake. She drops it off, she goes, fine, done. But she's not hanging around. You don't want people hanging around on your wedding day that you do not like, that you do not want there. And when you are picking someone one of your suppliers. It is such a personal thing. I say to all my couples, if they haven't already chosen all their suppliers by the time they get to me, because often they haven't, often I'm the first port of call. 
<laughs> I always say to them, you know, do your research, do your recon, but most of all, make sure you like them as a person, especially a wedding planner, especially a celebrant, and especially a photographer. Again, florist, you want to like, you want to like everyone. You want the whole experience to be wonderful, don't you? Why work, why would you work with people you don't bloody like? But you, the photographer is there in your face getting pictures of you, especially if you don't like having a picture taken. You're not going to have good pictures if you don't like the person behind the lens. They have got to make you feel comfortable and relaxed and you've got to enjoy their company. That is absolutely essential. And it's the same with a wedding planner. This wedding planner, don't just go to the wedding planner who has like planned the most extra weddings or the most celebrity weddings because that's cool and that's who you want to show off to your friends about. Go to the wedding planner that you like the most, that you admire and respect the most. Go to the wedding planner whose opinion you will appreciate the most and that whose opinion will be easiest to take, right? Because you have to listen to them. You have to want to listen to them. All of these people are here to make your wedding the, the best it can possibly be. But you have to have that relationship to begin with. You're spending a lot of time with these people. You're, you're talking to them a lot in the build-up. You're trusting them with a lot. And we know that as people in the industry, we are very, very aware of the pressure and the responsibility that we have doing what we do. Like, don't make no bones, don't make no bones about it. We know what we're doing and we are honored. Every time, nine times out of 10, wedding suppliers work alone or there is at least a small business. They're a small independent business. Every single email we get, we do a happy dance. Like it feels incredible. So all out with all your suppliers, choose people you like. But of course, do your recon first, right? No one's got time to be Zooming 10 million people. <laughs> I think nowadays websites are brilliant for information, but I think social media is brilliant for learning about the person behind the brand and the person behind the company. I think look at their videos, look at their reels, look at their photos, look at their tagged photos, read their reviews. Okay. That is like from the horse's mouth. You can't beat that. You cannot beat good client testimonials. And it's not like it used to be, you know, I feel like people used to think, oh, there isn't a bad review, but there'll be a bad review. It's just, I don't know about it and they've hidden it or whatever. No, 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 Sunny Jim. If there's a bad review, you're gonna find it online. You can't get rid of those bad boys. And you know what keyboard warriors are like, old TripAdvisor friends, they love to write a bad review. So if there's a bad review, you'll find it. So hopefully only good reviews. Look at the style of what they do and how they do it. Of course, practically speaking, look at the cost. And then once you've got an idea of them as a person, then make contact, then make an inquiry, then book in a call. There's no harm in booking in a call. We do what we do because we love what we do and we love people. We wanna hear from you. We wanna to talk to you about your ideas. So the way it works with me <laughs> in life, the way it works, the key to my heart is um, by the time people have inquired with me, they have been on my social media. And I, as you know, because I do a bloody podcast for heaven's sake, I'm far too revealing, right? Um, <laughs> mentally and emotionally, far too revealing. So by the time people are sending me uh, an email, they kind of have an idea of who I am as a person and hopefully they like me. I feel like even though I like to pretend I'm famous, I'm not at the point yet where I have haters because I just... I don't think I'm there. I don't think I ever want to be there. I was there once, you know, as a teenager and it's not very nice. <laughs> They'll regret it. 
Let's not go down that path, Olivia. So once you've inquired, I hope you email me. You know what I do and you like what I do. What I do, I think maybe is quite different to other celebrants. I think straight away, the type of couple that are looking at celebrants are the type of couple that do not want a cookie cutter, carbon copy, super duper traditional ceremony. Whether they're religious or not, that's not what they want. They don't want the obvious answer. They don't want the easy answer. They want something special. They want something extraordinary. So here I come. <laughs> but within that realm, right, there are all these different styles. A lot of celebrants are wonderfully weird. And I say that with a fondness because I'm a bit weird as well, you know, the best people are. They're wonderfully weird. They're quirky, they're eccentric, they're loud, they're, they're brash, they're colorful, they're vibrant, they're, they're big personalities and they're brilliant at what they do. Some people are, some celebrants are a lot more low key, um, perhaps a lot more serious, a lot more romantic. It's a different style. Each ceremony is totally different because it's all bespoke for the couple. And each celebrant has their own style. And for some couples, their style is gonna be perfect. And for others, it's just not what they're looking for. And that's the beauty of it as well, is that we're a really supportive community. So if someone comes to me and says, I just don't know if we're vibing, they've never done that. And if they do, like I'll be so upset, I'll cry myself to sleep, but whatever, we'll move on. Uh, then I will say, okay, great. I know five other celebrants who might be more your style. Quite often people, say to me that they like that I'm youngish, <laughs> like close to their age, because then it really does feel like a friend is marrying them because I'm in that gene pool. Is that right? I don't know. Uh, I'm a millennial, you know? So they like that. But some people might come to me who are perhaps an older couple, I don't know, their second marriage, and they might be like, do you know what, with all due respect, I, I'm not gonna take marriage advice from someone that's my child's age. Too right. I wouldn't, <laughs> mainly because my child's three. But I completely understand that. So I go, okay, great. I know some other celebrants who have more experience than I do, uh, have a few more years under their belt. Why not try that? We're a in an incredibly supportive community, which is so, so nice to be a part of. So it's a really personal thing. I can't speak for everyone else, but what I do, I call it traditional, but not formal. So to me, the importance of my ceremony is not me stood there creating a show, although I joke that it is, um, it's me telling your story. The emphasis is on you and the words that I'm saying, not that I'm the one saying them. Do you know what I mean? So I portray that in little ways, traditional, but not formal. I can do, I can do anything. I can do any style. <laughs> I tend to take a traditional structure. So the kind of structure that you would see in either a civil ceremony or a religious ceremony, an introduction, a reading, an address of sorts, perhaps another reading or some music, vows, rings, and perhaps even a, f a signing, um, and then an exit. So the structure, the bare bones of an Olivia Coleman ceremony is very traditional. The reason I do that is because I don't, for my ceremonies, again, just speaking for myself and my own style, I don't wanna be stood there 
with people going, oh my God, what is she doing? Oh, she's painting her left arm and now she's blowing a balloon at her ass. What does this mean? How is this reflective of marriage? If you pay me the right price, I'll try and blow a balloon at my ass, but that's not the point. The point is, is that I'm not there to draw attention to myself and what I'm doing. I am there to tell your story. So I take a traditional structure so that your guests at no point are sat there thinking, what is she doing? Why is she doing that? They are familiar with what they're seeing with the flow of the ceremony. They understand how it's going. They understand what's coming next. The difference is, is that I write it from scratch and I write it completely, completely bespoke to you. So there is not a single couple before or after that will ever have a ceremony like yours. That is completely unique to you. It is completely personalized. It is your story. I find out who you are as people. I find out who you are as a couple. I get to know you. Like I really force friendship on people. And I, I take all that information and all that instinct and all that joy and all those stories and those anecdotes and that history and that love and I create something totally bespoke, but I wrap it up in something traditional and familiar and comforting so that people are sat there and they're listening to this and they're laughing and they're crying and th they're smiling and they're enjoying it, but it's done in a way that allows them to feel those things because it's about what I'm saying and not how I'm saying it. People have said, do I have a particular type of couple, type of person? And I, I, I mean, I can't really describe them, but I guess I do. If you look back at all my couples in the past, I kind of do. So I would refer to myself maybe as like a realistic romantic. I mean, I was born in the late 80s, okay? I, I grew up watching The O.C. and One Tree Hill. <laughs> and then like Grey's Anatomy, ER. I am a sucker for crap American TV, like an absolute sucker. I can't even tell you. Like I literally would spend my teenage years listening to the One Tree Hill soundtracks, wondering why no one would ever love me. <laughs> and all I wanted was love. It, I'm literally such a cliche. I used to go on holiday with my parents and my brothers and just dream of being there with my partner, someone who loved me. Like I am a romantic. I love movie love. I love TV love. I love music and how it makes you feel. Bloody hell, if I could live in an Adele song, I would. <laughs> but I'm also honest and I'm real. And I'm gonna tell you now, that is not real life. It's a lovely idea, Carol, but it's not real. To me, real love, real life, real marriage is, is messy. It's beautiful, but it's messy and it's hard. It's hard work. You know, you stick with it and you have great days and you have really shit days. And that's, that, that happens before you get married and that, God, does that happen afterwards? Boy, does it happen after you have kids. That's a whole different world. But it's real and it's honest. And I, that's what I want to say. That's what I want to tell. That's the story I want to tell to your guests at your wedding ceremony. I want to tell your story of realism, of realistic romanticism. You know, a good marriage, a good relationship is loving one another unconditionally, but also wanting to punch them in the face at the same time. The amount of years I have spent looking at my husband, who is visually very pleasing to me, 
He's honestly, he's so, he's so hot. <laughs> he doesn't listen to this podcast. He literally listened to the first episode. So I'm fine. I can say what I want. The amount of hours I spend looking at him and thinking, I want to kiss you so passionately, but also cause you physical pain at the very same time. That's marriage. Marriage is taking the bins out because you've been, you've been stacking the rubbish up on top of the bin for three days in the vain hope he will notice and take the bins out, but he doesn't. So in the end, you have to make a real scene and take the bins out yourself. Uh, marriage is, is having sex because even though you don't really like them today, you haven't had it in a while. You know, that's marriage, people. That's, those are my people. Those are my couples. The people who look at it as, yes, it's romantic and beautiful and wonderful and lovely and passionate and gorgeous, but it's also real and messy and fun and stupid and silly. Those are my couples. God, I love what I do. <laughs> I've been talking so much. Have I even told you what a celebrant is? I don't know. So <laughs> we then create the ceremony. So we chat, we have meetings, we have Zoom calls, we have coffees, we have wine. You tell me all about your life. You tell me all about your family. We can have readings, anything you want, any reading. An extract from a book, a quote from a movie, a quote from the Bible. That's, that's one of the best things about a celebrant ceremony is that you can include whatever you want. If you're Christian and he's Hindu, great, put both in. If you want a ritual from your faith, from the country that you were born, put it in. If you want uh, traditional music, put it in. If you want a Britney Spears song and then you want bloody Jerusalem playing on the organ, put it in. Hashtag put it in. <laughs> <laughs> take it out no put it in ah it's a Saturday so that's the beauty of it it's 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 for the modern couple because it's not what it used to be people are not who they used to be everyone's different everyone's got their own thing right they've got their own character their own beliefs their own religion their own faith and they want that represented on their wedding day they want that represented in their wedding ceremony so that's what we do that's what celebrants do it's honestly you will not regret ever regret having a celebrant ceremony Absolutely not. It's the most incredible thing. It will make your day. Every single ceremony I've ever done, people have assumed that I am an old friend or a gobby cow. <laughs> I once was referred to as a drunk vicar, which I really liked. I think I've even mentioned that to you on a previous podcast because I'm such a fan of the turn of phrase. People will be talking about your ceremony forever because it's, it, it's your day. They will walk away from that ceremony and go, God, that was so them, wasn't it? That was so them. And I didn't know that they did this or said that, or I didn't know that she thought that of him. How lovely is it that he mentioned that about her or that's how they met or that's where they went on holiday. I, I didn't know that's how she proposed. It's, it's, it's sharing your story and it's teaching the people who love you the most about you. And they wanna hear it. Of course they wanna hear it. I wanna tell it and they wanna hear it. God, honestly. Absolutely brilliant. And then we have a party. I still don't know if I've actually told you much about what a celebrant is because I've lost track, but I've really enjoyed this episode. <laughs> Mustache, I've got a meeting to go to. To conclude, have a celebrant ceremony. The end. Thank you so much for listening. It really does mean the world. You can DM me any questions, queries, if you want to share any stories on the podcast Instagram at I'll Marry You Podcast. Get in touch. I want to hear all your tall tales. See you soon. I'll Marry You is a podcast by Olivia Coleman. The music is Mr. Sunnyface by Wayne Jones and the show is produced and edited by Drew Toynbee.